One out, nobody on. The payoff to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three call. To the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. And welcome to episode 15 of the Autobot Podcast. My name is Justin Vibber, and I'm joined as always by Chad Young and Niv Shaw. Um, on today's episode, we're going to sort of talk about some early season targets, uh, performances, call-ups, low-rostered players that we wanted to sort of highlight. Some of them exciting, some of them not so exciting, but hopefully there's some uh, diamonds in the rough, potentially, uh, of the guys we're going to be talking about. So... Um, Chad, why don't you start us off? Uh, there was a recent call up that you wanted to, to, to discuss to lead us off here. Yeah, I think uh, for anyone who's who's read any of this stuff that that Justin and I and some others have been writing over at PointsAbove.com, um, I wrote up Nick Madrigal right before he got called up. I find him to be just a super fascinating guy. He's a super unique skill set. Um, that was really what I wrote up. Was I went in and I looked at like, okay, who who doesn't strike out? Walk as much as he does. Who walks as much as he does, and who has as little power as he does? Like, what does that look like? And um, basically, what I found is if you look at his last two years, there's been about eight other years in the last fifteen that sort of look eight other seasons that sort of look like that. Um, most of which are players who have not really amounted to anything. Uh, but two of which are Michael Brantley and Jose Ramirez. Um, now, Brantley and Ramirez had their breakouts because they started developing power. I don't know if Madrigal is going to do that. Of course, he's hurt now, and so we're not going to find out for at least another month what's going to happen with him. Um, I, I'm actually I'm 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 pretty bearish on him. I'm, I just I, I don't think the power is going to be there. I think he'll hit fine. I think he'll probably get on base in a decent clip. I think he's going to be an ideal nine hitter in that he's going to have good speed. He's going to have. Uh, decent on base and yet you won't want to waste someone else's at bats or plate appearances by putting him near the top of the order um which may end up meaning he's not super valuable in fantasy leagues other than maybe five by five where he might rack up some steals for you uh but i'm really i'm, I'm just excited to watch him play i'm excited to see, like what he does to see how he develops yeah right. um even if he is a white sock and that bothers mm. me um i just I, i'm just curious like what is what does that skill set look like? Does it turn into anything valuable? And I, yeah, I, I feel like uh, in the last, maybe not most recently, but um, like especially when we were uh, kids, like watching uh, really good hitters was always like a very fun thing to do. Like guys who are like very skilled with the bat. Like it, it's just like a it's a fun skill set because um, one, it seems it's. To me, it seems really obvious how hard it is to be good at hitting baseballs, so that like you can make good contact and 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 get a lot of singles and doubles like that. To me, that seems that seems really hard. So it's fun to watch. So I, I can get I can feel you on that for sure. 
Yeah, I, I got to say, I, I almost like I almost hope he doesn't develop power, not because I want him to fail, but because I really want to see if that profile plays. Like, can he find a way to keep the strikeout rate low enough while still walking enough while not hitting for power to be a valuable major league player? Like, if he all of a sudden starts hitting 15 home runs a year, then he's going to be good, and that's fine, and that's that's great, and that'd be great if I were a White Sox fan. I'd be super excited about that. Um, but I'm not interested in that as a baseball. Yeah, player. right. That's not. Like, can he do this? Can can he do what he's been doing in the minor leagues, which is be a total non-threat in terms of power, and yet still completely command the strike zone, put solid bat on the ball, and keep getting on base. I think we're going to start I, getting I, like I don't Nick believe Mac- it translates, and I want to see it. We're going to get like Nick Madrigal truthers, like we had Ichiro truthers, who were like, "Oh, if you want to hit 20 home runs, he could." He just chooses right. not to, right? <laughs> Which is always... I believe that about Ichiro. <laughs> yeah, you can believe it about Ichiro all you want to, man. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, he's a pretty fun player. Yeah, and, and, he and had I like think... A, and he had a fun few games before the injury, right? Yeah, that four it... for five effort that were all like just ground balls that got through and a bloop, I think. <laughs> Yeah, because the I mean, like the I mean, it's very limited, but the Stackhast numbers not great. Like, so it's not like he was really stinging the ball and was just you know getting a little unlucky. I think he he was kind of doing what we all expected him to do. Maybe even striking out more. I mean, eleven percent in those across those eighteen plate appearances was just two instead of one. <laughs> Right. Yes, I mean. obviously. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. That's exactly what it was because it was two strikeouts in in seventeen at bats. But yeah, um, and I think you're right. I think he he plays in five by five a lot better than he does in in any other format. Any of the other formats, right? Exactly. So yeah, I'm just I, think, I just like does he you know his his skill set should be like slapping the ball in all directions such that you you can't really defend him well. You don't know where the ball's going to go. He hits it hard enough to get it through anything. the infield. Um, but then like at some point, does someone say? Fine, we're playing a five-man infield, right? Yeah, and that'd then be you, fun, you, right? Like, yeah. I, now I don't know. The problem may be he may he may spray the ball too much to do that, right? Because he may be a guy that if you only had two outfielders, you're in trouble because if he gets a line drive instead of a ground ball, it's it's, it's tri- three or four bases. Yeah, right. Um, so like he has four minor, I think four minor league home runs, and one of them's an inside the Parker. Like <laughs> that's awesome. I, I just that's I don't know good. what you do with him. I don't know where he's gonna go. So I'm just I'm excited about that. But we should talk about guys who are going to play baseball in the month of August instead of guys who aren't. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, why don't you go, Justin? You go ahead. Yeah, I mean my my name is not as exciting as Madrigal, but the guy that I was really interested in seeing, and he just pitched against the Cubs, was Chris uh, Bubich. He's rostered in under 28 percent of leagues. He's a name that I I was tracking last year. I had a um, a prospect performance tracker basically for Audenew that I had released last year, where basically you could look at uh, hitter and pitcher performances based on Fangraph points, raw points, and then points per game and points per innings pitched. And he was a name that was near the top of the pitching leaderboard all season in terms of the bulk production. Um, it's interesting because he's he's obviously he's in the major leagues now, but he had never pitched. He didn't get any higher than high A last year, so he never pitched in double A AA or triple A. Um, he's pitched against the White Sox and the Cubs so far, both top five hitting teams in the early going, and he's pitched pretty well. A three sixty ERA, three ninety eight FIP, and a three ninety three XFIP. Um, 
it's it's encouraging. I mean, 64% ground balls. I don't think he's a high-stuff guy. He's not going to strike a ton of guys out. I don't think that's his game. But as a steady sort of um, innings guy who's not going to kill you anywhere, um, and the fact that he's he's under 30% owned, uh, rostered, so you can, you can get him in most leagues right now. Um, again, not as exciting as Madrigal, but it was a, it was a name that I wanted to highlight that, that I own in a couple places and, and I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Yeah, I think his, uh, you know, in, in the low minors, he struck guys out um, in, in 2018 and 2019 in rookie ball and A ball. As he moved up to high A and a little bit of a larger sample, the strikeouts dropped down to uh, a little bit. Um, but he was striking out like 30% in rookie ball, 41% in A ball before it went down to 28% in, in high A. And, and so I'm, I'm sort of, I think you're absolutely right about him for this year. I think the interesting question is, you take a guy who basically hasn't had to learn to pitch against high-level hitters. And by high-level hitters here, we don't even mean major league hitters. He hasn't had to learn to pitch against double-A hitters yet. Um, And does that strikeout rate take time to come around? Like, Is he a guy who is going to have to learn to put guys away? Um, and, And maybe it's... You know, maybe he gets by with that ground ball rate or something this year, but I I don't know. I I'm 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 a little cautious about him this year. Like that ground ball rate is not anything like what he's done in the minors. No, no, and, um, and it's closer to 45 percent in the minors. Yeah, so I, I've got some. I I, I think that there's going to be a rude awakening for him sometime soon. Um, but I think that he, the the potential that he figures out and learns how to pitch um, as, over the course of this season is is intriguing to me, uh, and I and I think that and that really I think is what drove those lower level strikeout rates. It wasn't a stuff. I mean, he's got a forty five graded fastball according to Fangraphs, and that tracks with everything else that I've read about him. So it's not, and he's a le- I mean, he's a lefty who's probably going to become one of those crafty, um, good control. Good breaking ball, you know, a good change up and a good and a good curve ball, and that's what that's what his strengths are. It's not going to be, it's not going to be getting a lot of strikeouts. It's not going to be getting a lot of swinging strikes. Um, one of the things that I I have a couple notes on on this episode's notes for is pitcher list has has popularized this um, called strikes and whiff rate and. His is a twenty is CSW. His is twenty seven point four, which is which in those two starts. So that's pretty well below average, um, which which speaks to what the point that I'm making that he's not a he's not a stuff guy. He's not going to miss a lot of bats, but I think the pitchability will get him um, to be relevant in Autonew this year, especially in in these with the common refrain you're chasing innings. Um, and I think he's going to be in that rotation for the rest of the year. So, I also think it's worth just, I mean, apropos of nothing, uh, it's really cool that the Royals decided to call up a kid from uh, that lower level. Obviously, he showed them something good. It it cuts against the business of baseball that it seems that other teams are doing, right? Like, And the, the Royals, like, this is what you should be doing if you're the Kansas City Royals. Like, this is a year to learn what you have um, asset-wise and... Um, you know, have fun with it or whatever. Like the fact that he got a cup of coffee I, I, already I, is is neat. I think. Yeah, I think you know they they got him up. They've got Singer up. Um, I think it's not just 
like, yes, see what you have. They're also, um, like, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're a pretty bad team. They're only four games out of a playoff spot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? like, also, Maybe the Royals, these, are your best, these are your best options also, yeah. in a sense, right? Like, it's not to say that the Royals are doing, like, prospect nerds a favor right now. Um, I think they're doing their best, like, of putting the best pitchers in front. But I think it actually is worthy of, it's ridiculous to say this, but it's worthy of, like, applause that a baseball team is willing to put their best players forward when they're instead sacrificing, maybe sacrificing, and we don't know how the season's going to turn out or whatever, maybe sacrificing surface time uh, for that goal. Yeah, and you and I wonder how much their front office decided that these guys needed further development and they might as well get it. Right. Pitching, pitching Some of the stuff we talked about innings, in the preseason you know. stuff, like what are your, are you going to just keep striking out your really good double A AA and triple A hitters at the alternate training camp? Or like, is this actually a better development than, than, than pitching against those guys? Right. It's a good call. It makes, and that makes sense to me with Singer. It's fascinating with Bubich because yeah. he hasn't faced those guys, right? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's just it, skipping. It, 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 skipping Singer over. got up to double A last year for half a season. Right. So you can, skipping like, over can the thing the he'd be doing at ATC, right? Right. You can see the case where, where with Singer, you're like, look, another year of facing, you know, the random guys we have in the back half of our 60-man player pool isn't useful to him. Bubich has never seen guys that talented. Right, <laughs> so right. it's super fascinating that they've decided to, to, to skip ahead with him. And um, somewhat like the Madrigal comment, like, I'm just curious to see how this plays out. I, I'm not quite as as excited about him from a fantasy standpoint as Justin is. I'm, 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 I think he's going to have some really rough starts. I think it's going to get really ugly. When you don't strike people out and your stuff isn't that great, major league hitters will eventually tag you. And he's going to have some, he's going to have to learn how to pitch. And I don't think he's done it yet. But I'm super fascinated by this as a like experiment in player development. Yeah. And, and I can't, I can't argue with the first part of what you just said there that I, I think rougher days are absolutely coming. But it just felt like a name that I, I, I couldn't help but highlight a guy who hadn't been above high A had pitched as well as he did against the Cubs and the White Sox and didn't seem like he was being talked about as much as he probably should have been for, for what he's done over those two starts. So, yeah. uh, so my, guy, my guy from the notes is exciting, probably not, uh, not a person you can acquire uh, particularly easily. Uh, but Nate Pearson, I, I got to give him a call out. It's Thursday today and he's pitching tonight against Atlanta. Uh, he had his debut against the Nationals, uh, which was absolutely totally fine. Didn't give up any runs. I think two hits, two walks, five strikeouts over five innings, something like that. Yep. Um, his slider whiff rate is very good. Uh, his he just got swinging strikes or whatever. He got whiffs. Um, and what his uh, CSW per pitcher list and Justin is what 12th overall for starting pitchers yeah yeah i added the note after you had had added him onto the spreadsheet because when i was looking at those leaderboards yeah for a minimum of 50 pitches among starting pitchers he's 12th right now in baseball with yeah and and you know again like this is a guy uh it's a top 10 prospect like everyone he's rostered in every league pretty much uh he's not particularly expensive and you know I, i i picked him up in league one as like a trade trade chip last year like i think that's like what his role was uh but then you know think nate pearson like life came at us fast with him i think like he was in the lower hundreds then quickly to the top 20s and then quickly to a top 10 
and uh, Toronto moved him up accordingly, right? Like, like that was a place where promotion aligned with the the rise in the prospect list, like uh, to a T. So, really exciting to see him pitch and see him do well um, this quickly into his development cycle. And and yeah, I mean, like I, I think there's like a lot to like from from his sort of arsenal of pitches and a lot to a lot to look forward to for him. Um, not going to surprise anybody with that, but you know, I think his performance is worthy of just calling out. I think it's true. I think if you're, you know, looking at this from a sort of what's actionable about this, I mean, you're not going to be able to pick him up. He's not a free agent. If he is a free agent in your league, start the auction. Yeah. Start the auction. Um, That's a no brainer, but he's probably not. Uh, but if you're rebuilding, um, he's exactly the kind of guy I'd be, I would love to acquire in a trade, right? If I'm, if I, um, Justin and I were talking trade before this. One of the guys I'm sitting on is a $37 Strasburg that I probably can't keep in a team that's really struggling. Um, if I had a $37 Strasburg and could move him in a deal where I picked up a cheap Pearson, uh, I would do that in a second. It'd be an easy trade. I might do that if, if I weren't rebuilding. Um, but I would certainly... Like, he's exactly the kind of guy I want to target if I'm rebuilding. And, and I think if you're, if you're sitting on Pearson and you're trying to compete this year, I don't know if I would sell him. Right. I'm not sure you're going to get a ton better production this year, given the long-term value you would give up to make that kind of trade. And I think I think he's in a unique position where he has short-term value. I think he's going to pitch well enough. He has the prospect hype that if you are going to sell him as a contender and you're going to try to acquire higher-level short-term assets, you got to ask for a lot. Like I, I feel like... Because I would just he hold is him going until, to give you production now. I would hold him until next season. I, think I mean, like I a, probably would too if I owned him anywhere. Um, yeah, if you if you're rostering him, I think like the play is just uh, hold. Uh, obviously, if you're listening to this on Friday and he was horrible last night, sorry, but but like I mean, 72 pitches to get through five innings against uh, you know a little bit short-handed national team. So you know, Soto was out. Obviously, Zimmerman's opted out as we've talked about, but not a bad team still. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like he's not, he's going to get to pitch this year. Like he's not like barring some sort of catastrophe. Like he's not going to be yanked around or like tried a little bit or whatever. I mean, he's up now his service time number, like they waited the first start in order to manipulate, just to go back to what we're talking about with the Royals. They, his service time has been manipulated. That is done. He is now pitching, right? So um, I would hold him. I would, you know, uh, you know. We I was looking really quickly. Uh, his last ten ads are uh, three and a half bucks, and his his overall I think is a little even lower than that, um, or maybe a, actually a little higher than that. But you know, he's not a double digit pitcher right now in terms of price. He obviously can become a twenty dollar pitcher, maybe even more than that. Uh, so he's exactly if you are looking to buy up. Uh, Post auction draft 2021 is when I would use that Pearson trade chip to get some really interesting pieces um, for what is hopefully a normalish uh, long season next year, um, where you can absorb you can absorb a little bit of the variance rather than having to be put out by variance. But I, I just wouldn't move them this year. I don't. I don't think there's. I just keep an eye on them. You know, put them on a watch list. Just keep an eye on his whiff rate on Baseball Savant because it, it was really nice in the first start and. Hopefully he can do the same thing to the Braves tonight. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that makes sense. I think uh, the the guy that I'm looking at is, is sort of a recent call up that I'm really interested in is is similar to Pearson in that he's a top prospect, not someone you're going to pick up as a free agent. That's Joe Adele. Um, Adele, though, I think is a little bit of a different camp than Pearson, where I might be okay moving him this year if I were a team buying. I think he's. Uh, I don't think he's going to just jump off the page and, and and right off the bat be a, a star. Um, if you look back at his his minor league track record, um, his first look at at Double A in, in 2018, he got. Um, it's only 71 plate appearances, but it's you know 71 plate appearances is is uh, his K rate stabilizes at 60 plate appearances, I believe. Um, he had a 31 percent K rate in 2019. His second look at Double A, he cut that down to 22.5 percent. His walk rate went up from 8.5 to 10.4. Um, his you know and and his overall season in Double A in 2018 with that high K rate, he had a 3.42 WOBA. He was fine, but not special. In 2019, it was 4.24. Um, and part of that is he's been young for the level. He was 19 the first time he got to double A. He was 20 last year when he just crushed double A. And then as a 20-year-old, he got challenged with triple A, and it showed that it was a challenge. And he went back up to a 32.6% K rate um, and a 300 WOBA. And, and I, what I would have expected from him this year would have been something like a much stronger showing in triple A for a couple months, maybe a few months. And then a rough cup of coffee in the majors before he sort of started to make those adjustments and piece things together, just based on what I've seen from him in the past. Um, and I, my, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see those growing pains in real time this year. He's only had eight plate appearances, but he struck out in half of them. Uh, so it's it's showing up like that from the beginning. Um, you know, it's eight plate appearances. You can't read too much into it, but like his swinging strike rate is eighteen point eight percent. He's he is has a low contact percentage right now. Like he's getting hit with first pitch strikes because pitchers are challenging him because he's young and figuring things out. He is barely 21. He's, he's been 21 for three months, uh, almost four months, I guess. But yeah. um, I, I think this is going to be a tough year for him. And I think if you're, if I, as a, if I'm a team that's, that's selling, um, I'm looking to Adele's owner, but I'm going to give him a week. Because I think Adele's gonna have a really rough go of it it's at the start, and I might I might let him try to get not disenchanted. No one's gonna see a week of of Adele and think like, oh, I guess he isn't good. He's a bust, but just enough for them to realize that like right now, an Adele owner is probably thinking, why would I trade him? I can just play him. Give him a week to realize that that, that might not be the case, um, and, and then inquire. Uh, but I would love to buy him, and you're gonna have to deal with the growing pains this year, and you're gonna have to sit through those growing pains. Um, but I think it'll be worth it. I think the payoff is there. Right, right. And that's the right way to think about it. Like, it's not... Like, that's what selling is, right? You're, like, you're, you're going to absorb it this year, and you're going to have a really nice piece for the next three years. So... And, and I agree, Chad, though, that, that like, a, contrasting him with Pearson, I think Pearson is a significantly more likely bet to be an above-replacement-level pitcher in Audenew than Adele is to be an above-replacement-level outfielder in Audenew. So... Yeah, I think that's I think that's right, and I think the reality is with any of did these you, guys. Um, did you? Sorry, did you mean this season, Justin, or like in general? I mean, I mean in the short term. So this season, and maybe possibly into next year, I think the potential for Adele is probably equal to Pearson's potential in terms of future value. Okay. But in the short term, I agree with what Chad's saying that I think Adele's much more likely to struggle 
than Pearson is. And, um, and I think the reality is if you're, if you're selling, um, that's an opportunity, right? Like if there are, if, if an Adele owner gets frustrated and puts them on the block, jump at it. Um, it might be your best chance is, to, to acquire them. Right. right. And I think the same thing's true of Pearson for that matter, by the way. Like Niv, you made the comment about like, you know, maybe he gets, if he gets blown up tonight, sorry. Like, well, if he gets blown up tonight, uh, that tomorrow will be a good day to reach out to Pearson's owner and say, Hey, I've yeah, got like, this expensive ace. Do you want somebody who's a little bit more stable this year and can help you, you know, lock down your pitching categories or lock down your pitching points or whatever it is, fill in your innings, and I'll take the the yeah, risk and, of your piece. And you know, like the point like, I think the implicit point to that also, Chad, that I agree with you, is that if he's good tonight and he's good one more start, you're never gonna sniff him. Like that's it. That's the end of seeing a chance to acquire Nate Pearson until you use all your arbitration powers to get him off that team, right? right. So, yeah, because I mean, if he's pitching well and I'm a contender, my ask on him to move him it would be it'd be two aces. It, it, it'd be nuts. it'd be so much that nobody would be willing to pay it. Basically. Nobody has it, right? right. Like I mean, right. Like, like the amount of production no, anybody you need who's to, got the to, two aces you need is also competing, <laughs> right? Right, right. <laughs> Especially, yeah. Right. Yeah. Unless so can, I, I think yeah, that's right. Out. I think if you if you're interested in Pearson, um, your only hope at this point is that he has a bad outing tonight, and that his owner is impatient and ready to make a move. Right. I think you with Adele, right. you're going to have more opportunities this year because I think Adele is going to continue to struggle a bit, and he's not going to be. It's not so much that I think his owner will then think, no, this guy's not valuable long term. I just think they'll think he's not valuable to me right now the same way. I can get better today. Whereas with Pearson, I think a lot of guys are going to be like. I, you're not going to make me better. Oh, you've got Strasburg to trade me? I've got Pearson already. Why do I want Strasburg? Yep. So, um, All right. our, our yeah. next segment, we were going we to talk about some players that are rostered in under 20% of leagues. Um, basically, some names that are probably on your free agent list that you can acquire um, and, and maybe not for very much cap space either. So, the, the first one I wanted to bring up was Ben Gamble with the Brewers. Um, Braun is, is is injured right now. Gamble's been basically playing uh, center field for the Brewers right now. He's rostered in under 12% of leagues. Um, he has a 454 expected weighted on base per stat cast and a top 20 in baseball for barrels per plate appearance um, percentage, which all of that sounds great. The one thing that, that concerns me is that he only has 106 max exit velocity and he has an under 90 average exit velocity, which tells me that he's not, he's not hitting for a lot of power as much as he's just give, making good contact. Um, and he does have a career 9% walk, wakes, walk rate. So he is a guy who, who can walk. He has, he makes some quality contact, maybe not a ton of power, but in some leagues where I need outfield help because of everything going on and, and guys that are hurt, um, he's a name that I've I've picked up in a couple leagues or or, or targeted in a couple leagues, um, and I think he's going to get quite a bit of playing time. And I don't know how long Braun's going to be out, but um, even before that, Gamble was in the mix between outfield and first base. So, yeah, I mean the the nice thing about about Gamble is because he walks, he should be. Uh, he should avoid completely cratering and being a disaster for you. Um, I'm, I'm, 
I'm super dubious. I watched Ben Gamel play quite a bit with the with the Mariners when when he was here in Seattle, and um, he's not like there was an article, and I can't it might have been on Pitcher List earlier this year about comparing Gamel to Yelich. It's like. Yelich, when he was at the Marlins, was crushing the ball and he was just hitting it into the ground. And it was, right. you could see that there was potential there. Ben Gamel is has never shown that he's a good hitter who might break out at some moment. And and that's not meant as a, a knock on Ben Gamel, right? He is a solid Major League Baseball player. Um, but this wasn't a guy who was like, man, if he could just put this together. Uh, and so I'm, I'm super dubious that that's what's happening here. Um, he wouldn't be the first guy to suddenly figure something out. I mean, it's happened before, and he did. I mean, in Triple in A with the Yankees back in 2015 and 2016, and Triple A with the Mariners in 2017. Like he's put up some good minor league numbers. It's not there's not nothing behind it, but I I don't know. I'm I'm pretty with a flyer in the sense that maybe you need to catch up on games or something. He's obviously available, right? So, right. and I mean, and, and he's been just under a league average hitter in his career and if he's slightly above that that's still a one dollar or two dollar flyer that i'm i'm ready to take yeah you're know, getting with the you're getting even maybe surplus he can on offer that, right? a little more than that so it's not it's not a big piece it's not a guy that i think is going to be a, a league winner in any sense but as a fill-in who right now yeah, is I'm, available you know, I think the, the you know generally like the reason we we thought this would be a pretty interesting section is because uh, with the COVID stuff and obviously the not just the IL that we all thought was coming, but the the players having to just like the teams having to take days off, well, like, not playing, right? I not mean, playing is just finding anyone who's available. These seven inning doubleheaders uh, really. We talked about this, I think. I don't know if we talked about this on a pod or offline, but it really hurts your opportunities to catch up uh, just because your plate appearances are going to be less per game in these seven-inning doubleheaders versus, like, you know, the traditional way you'd catch up if games were rained out or postponed otherwise. So finding rosterable players, I think, like, this is... Hopefully we can uh, help you guys on that goal because this year it's... Man, I know we we thought it'd be hard, but it, it's harder even than I thought. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a tougher, tougher year, tougher landscape. Yeah. Speaking of a guy who I think can help fill in games and, and is going to, uh, already has multiple position eligibility, uh, with first base and shortstop and is likely to add second base soon. It sounds like, um, he's also starting pitcher eligible, which I had no idea, but is fascinating. Real uh, thing. Jake, Jake Cronenworth, of the Padres is rostered in 5.2% of leagues. So he is very likely a free agent in your league. He is posting right now a 318, 348, 727 slash line with a 445 Woba. Um, there's a 375 BAPIT behind that. But the stat cast numbers suggest that there's some legitimacy here. Um, He's only had he's played a little bit less than other guys. It took him a little while to, to sort of get a role. Um, he's mostly been playing first base now with with Hosmer out, but the the Padres just said yesterday he's going to be in the second base mix 
when Hosmer comes back. 256 players in baseball have 15 or more batted ball events. He is first in sweet spot and sweet spot base first sweet spot percentage, which basically means the percentage of time you're hitting a ball in an ideal launch angle. He's 21st in hard hit percentage, which is the percentage of time you're hitting a ball over 95 miles per hour exit velocity. And he's fourth in barrels per plate appearances. Like this guy is actually legitimately crushing the ball. It's a small sample. Um, and so obviously there's always concerns with that. But he was really good in AAA last year with the Rays. Um, there's not a lot of history behind that. He was really good in sort of A ball and then struggled a bit coming up. But last year, started walking more, hit for more power. Um, I, I'm not really sure what changed. I don't know enough about him to say that. But it certainly looks like he just started hitting the ball harder last year, and it's carrying over to this year. And if he can continue that while being able to fill in for you at first base, second base, shortstop, and middle infield, um, that's it's a super interesting there's a lot. It's it's a very interesting profile, and there's a lot of upside there. And um, he's he's young enough that this could be a legitimate breakout. And even if it's not, uh, I, I think there's enough there to get excited about him as a as a guy who can help you fill those games. The other also, interesting he thing he started he started six games of pitcher last year. I think it was like in a minor league opener for the Rays. Something very weird. Oh, really? Interesting. Six inning, uh, seven innings, and six games started. Yeah. Um, he walked a lot of dudes. <laughs> don't don't slot him into your bullpen. Oh. I don't think uh, zero ERA that. though. <laughs> he he's already got two triples, and sometimes those early triples make me hesitant because it it bumps up to slugging and and maybe it's not sustainable. But Statcast has him as a ninety first percentile sprint speed, so he's 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 not slow. He's fast. So if he can lace doubles and triples and and get playing time there they i think the the note that i was looking at just now said that even after hosmer comes back they're gonna um give him more time at second base keep that bat in the lineup so yeah i'll, I'll be honest it was not a name that i had been looking at but but now that you're mentioning it it definitely uh is a name that i'm gonna be looking at now yeah I, you know he popped up in an auction somebody started an auction for him in one of my leagues and i was like who is this guy <laughs> Like why it's is somebody starting this? It's a great First name. Base shortstop starting pitching eligibility. <laughs> right. been a single then, player in Ottawa who's ever had that trifecta. No, that's like, amazing. You go, you go look at his Statcast data, and it's like, oh, okay, so maybe he's you know he's got a high he's got this high bat, but maybe it's not legitimate. His expected slugging, his x slugging, is eight twelve. His woba is four twenty nine. His expected woba is four eighty three. Like it's like it's even above. Right. where his very good slash line right. Now, is that going to continue? No. But there is a lot of room for his batted ball data to regress and still be an excellent player. Um, and so that's that's really intriguing to me, right? Is like, he if he keeps doing even most of what he's doing, even part of what he's doing, uh, he could end up being a super useful player. He has the position eligibility of the best kid on your Little League team. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly exa- like, well, we're not going to take him out. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's just going to keep bouncing but, but, around. But he's a little too tall to play shortstop, so he's getting time at first base. And, and, so he's going to mostly right. play first, yeah. But, you know, his arm's good, so. Um, yeah, that's a good call out. I uh, He's on my radar because I think of the te- the 5.2% of teams that are rostering him, every single one of their uh, owners has uh, messaged me about getting him into the lineup. Because he is a two-way player, 
So it's like a little goofy, even though he's not actually so he has pitch that, in the majors. Like the Otani mechanism where you yeah, have to, you have to yeah. put him into an empty spot. Right. So uh, yeah, just keep an eye out for that as you guys add him. We hope that his. Let's check what their roster percentages are going to be next week if people are paying attention to this stuff. Um, my guy, uh, if anyone in League One is listening to this, is going to start rolling their eyes because I have a long story. Yeah, like you, Chad, like a long storied and ridiculous relationship with this player. Um, he's been on my roster since um, our since the website started. Uh, February tenth, two thousand eleven is the first transaction for him, so I put him in. So I must have had him before that. Uh, Danny Duffy is my guy, uh, rostered on fifteen point nine percent of teams, so sixteen percent of teams. Let's just say. Um, $2 player, $2 starting pitcher. Uh, his FIP is 3.11. His XFIP is aligned with his ERA, 4.11, 4.12. 15 strikeouts and 15 innings. Um, his velocity is just a little bit down, but his pitch mix is actually the thing I wanted to call out. Um, Danny Duffy has, I mean, obviously he had pe- prospect pedigree. He's not ever quite reached that. So I want your expectations to be tempered, right? I don't want you to think that you're getting... Um, some sort of like amazing gem, but uh, when he is, he has had effective years as a major league pitcher and he obviously is stuck for a little while with the Royals. And uh, when he uses his fastball less and his um, off speed stuff more and keeps the walk rate down, which is two very difficult skills to combine. um, He's a pretty effective pitcher and he's doing it this this year so far. His walk rate is back to like sort of career ish eight, seven and a half to 8% instead of uh, the last couple of years where it was double digits. Um, he's using his fastball less, so that, to me, implies that his breaking stuff is either being swung at or being uh, called for strikes. So um, I would just keep an eye on him. I think it's worth a flyer. I am surprised that we've talked about uh, three Royals pitchers already, but, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I, I think, you know, I think... Uh, at the price point, like this is a guy, and especially with the way innings are this year, how difficult they are to get. Um, he's already thrown 15 innings. He's been striking people out while he's doing it. He has not been touched up too, too badly. And I think there's a lot of people that we've talked to in Slack and in general that would love to have that kind of profile as like their fourth starter or whatever, their sixth or seventh starter, right? Like not not leading up a staff, but not, not getting touched up too bad, not tanking your whole team, um, but but being effective enough and striking out one an inning. I don't know what else you, you could ask for for a guy who's probably a free agent. Yeah, that's uh, Duffy you have. You've, 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 you've had I mean, look at the like. Look at so. the transaction history. I don't – Chase Utley used to be this guy, but I think Daniel Duffy might be the guy in our league that is – just being rostered the whole time we've existed. And frankly, I think he's worth picking up again. I mean, it's just, I mean, the, I don't know. Obviously the first starting pitching prospect that I really tried to believe in. <laughs> but, um, but I think, you know, this year, I think there's, he's worth a look. He's, he's a free agent. I think right uh, a one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for us to wrap up here so I can start. <laughs> so you can start an auction. <laughs> just start clicking on auctions. Yeah. Yeah, a, a, along the same lines, a guy who um, 
a picture I had a long time ago. I, I traded for Alex Cobb in March of 2013, right before he went on sort of a two-year run of, of being really impressive, um, and then traded him away. Uh, <laughs> I traded I traded with, with Jeff to get him. Jeff had sat on him for two years. I traded for him, sat on him for two years, traded him back. Um, he sort of bounced around mostly with with one other team since then. Um, and I just, I just added him again in league one recently, but, uh, Alex Cobb, um, he's only rostered in under 5%, 4.89% of leagues. Uh, ERA is 2.51. The whip is 1.12. So surface numbers are great, but as you go to the next level, um, 4.17 FIP is fine. It's, it's not great, but it'll play 3.22 X FIP. And a big part of that is he's only given up seven fly balls and, it's two home runs. If it had been one home run and set it to you, the FIP would look a lot better. Um, but when you look at numbers that are that are starting to stabilize, so for pitchers, uh, strikeout percentage, ground ball percentage, and fly ball percentage all stabilize at six around seventy batters faced. He's at sixty two, and as of right now, he would be posting career highs with a twenty four point two percent K rate, sixty seven point five percent ground ball rate, and a, a career low seventeen point five percent fly ball rate. Um, so the, the numbers that you can start to buy into are are locking in at places that would be a, better than he's ever been. And he's been a very good pitcher at times in the past. Um, and, and that's driven. He's got his his velocity is up on his fastball and his change. It's down on his curveball. But I actually, think that's probably all told a good thing. He's creating more separation between those pitches, um, which which I think is helping him right now. Uh, I, I think if he can control that home run per fly ball rate even a little bit, um, he's going to have a really good year. Uh, going back to that CSW um, called strikes and whiffs, he's at 31.1%, which is top sort of third of the league. He's 52, 52nd out of 162 pitchers on the that list that, that Justin pulled together. Um, he's right around guys like Bassett, Yarbrough, Stripling, Lazardo's in there. Uh, so it's not, um, you know, it's not elite there, but it's good. And I'm, I'm super intrigued because if you could be good on your called strikes and whiffs while getting a nice high ground ball rate, um, that's a profile of a really solid pitcher. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, you know, for a guy who is, is rostered in less than 5% of leagues, um, I've got more auctions to start with him. I'm going to be doing that soon, I think. My only issue with Cobb is he's a guy I've liked in the past, and it's like that fantasy kryptonite <laughs> effect where you're just like, man, I liked him, and then he burned me, and now I don't know that I can get involved again. But he's, I mean, he's he's had that performance in the past, and I mean, he's yeah. had a rough couple years, but um, maybe he recaptures some of that old magic, and this is this is for real this year. So it's definitely a guy to keep an eye on and a lot of these names you know you just need innings and these guys are throwing innings and they're pitching well so give them a shot and see how it goes and then maybe they get cut but that's just kind of how auto news being played right now right where you're you're picking guys sort up of and, what the season and churning requires. and it's kind of necessity yeah, yeah it's totally. just just sort of what we have to deal with this year um, we've talked a lot about pitchers, huh? But I think we're going to talk a little bit more about We're going to talk about some more, yeah, because I think <laughs> we're going to segue into some uh, some bullpen targets. Um, I- I'll start because the first name I'm going to mention is really not exciting, um, but it was a guy that, that shows up on that 
Um, I've mentioned it before. I've got a little spreadsheet that, that averages the four ERA estimators from Fangraphs, and I like to look at guys who show up as, um, you know, a calculated runs above average. And one of those names is Josh Tomlin, who, yeah, he's 35. He's not exciting. Um, but it's a little he's cowboy. Got, he's got a 0.88 CERA. Five innings, yeah. eight eight strikeouts. The the CSW is not great at thirty two point four, so I think some of it's smoke and mirrors. But we've talked a lot about these sort of bulk reliever roles, guys that can go multiple innings. He's two percent rostered, so he's absolutely. I can virtually guarantee that he's available in your league. I don't know that I'm picking him up right now, but I'm definitely adding him to a watch list and keeping an eye on on what he does going forward. So. Like I said, not an exciting name, but a guy that I couldn't help but bring up based on the performance so far. Yeah, the, the thing that's interesting with with Tomlin to me is uh, he's not the kind of guy whose stuff I would expect to play up in the bullpen in a big way. Um, and, and that's, I think, shown over the last couple of years. He's been primarily a reliever. He was primarily a reliever for the Indians in 2018, almost entirely for the Braves last year. Um, and... and Stuff didn't really play up, but he's he has really struggled third time through the order. Um, he is in his career been extremely homer prone, um, but avoiding that third time through might even a second time through might might help with that. Um, the big thing with it with the homer prone is for some reason this year he's posting a fifty three percent ground ball rate. Um, he's been below 40% for his career. It's only 26 batters faced. It might just be noise. I have no idea if he's changed something. Um, but you know, Tomlin I mean, and, and Niv knows this because as Indians fans, Tomlin was around the Indians forever. He was always this guy that like, you never looked forward to him starting, but you also just felt like this guy is going to go out there and give you decent innings and not be a disaster. Uh, he was exactly what you wanted in your fifth starter yep. um, for a long time. Uh, and I think if you, you go back and look and from 2010, really up through 2018, when he moved to the pen with the Indies, he really struggled, but his his FIP one year it popped up over five. Um, other than that, it was mostly sort of four to four point seven, four to four point eight, something like that. Um, and I think he's probably sort of that guy with a little bit of bump from not not going through the order more than once. Guys just not having time to get a get a, a look at him because he he does move the ball decently well. He doesn't throw very hard at all. Um, I, I don't know. I. The the if pitch he, mix is interesting to me because I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, he's he's under 15 percent with his four seam fastball this year. His yeah. career is just under 38, and last year he threw it 31 percent of the time. He's, he's and he's throwing a lot more curveball. He's throwing a lot more curves and and, and a, a fair bit more cutters. Uh, it's like the way you want every mid to late 30 year old pitcher. to Yeah, start. I mean it's oh right. It's it's, it's like junk YMCA ball stuff, junk ball. It's awesome. Yeah, because he's because he's got an 87 mile an hour fastball, so he's not right. It's not beating anybody. No, it's so he's it's using just, that less and moving, getting more movement and and off speed off speed pitches. So, I mean, it's interesting. I like I said, I, he's he's a watchless guy and not a start an auction guy for me right now, but. Can yeah. I talk about my guy? My guy's a starting auction guy. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. My guy my guy is my favorite guy. Um 
my favorite. As as Justin can attest to, having watched a Nationals game in person with me, Wander Suero is back off the IL. He is with the big league club. He pitched a shutout inning for the Nationals last night. Um, I think it was last night. Maybe it was two nights ago. Uh, he is absolutely worth a $1 flyer, which is all he's going to cost you. He is a core part of that Nats bullpen. So the way I prioritize it when looking at bullpen guys is consistency and expectation that they're going to pitch. Uh, I play 4 by 4 so roll doesn't matter as much. Um, obviously, if you play 5 by 5 he's not going to get you saves. Uh, or if you play points or whatever, he, he might get you some holds uh, just because of the way the Nats use him. They use him so often. Um, one, his motion and the way he throws is freaking awesome. He just looks like a live arm, and like you can never convince me otherwise. Uh, there's very few pitchers who get me so excited to watch pitch. Um, but, you know, his his cutter is good. He has a good whiff, good avoiding barrels. He is just generally a good, solid middle relief option. Uh, you can grab one for a dollar, and last year he pitched 71 innings for the Nats. Uh, you know, obviously he's not going to pitch 71 innings this year, but he gets coming. that means he comes in like every other game, right? So... Uh, you just watch the pitch count. You get to use them at the back end of your bullpen. Uh, easy to utilize. And, and you know, I think ease of use is, like, super important in this short season. Like, the idea that you can have some predictability in your bullpen. You can say, like, if this guy pitched yesterday, he's not pitching today. Which you can't do for closers necessarily. But you certainly can do for Wander Suero. And, um, and, you know, when he pitches, it's just, like, a good, quick, empty inning. Um, he doesn't... He doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He doesn't get you a ton of great stats. Uh, but he'll keep that ERA low. And and I think, like, keeping the ERA low with a potential of getting finally getting that cutter to move just enough that he starts striking people out instead of getting weak contact, I think, like, that's that's the upside for him. And, you know, he's a middle reliever, so what are you going to do? But I didn't I – didn't, like an hour before we started recording, I didn't want to talk about relief pitchers, and then I saw Wander Suero's back, and I remembered Wander Suero's back because obviously, obviously, he's on my team uh, in League One. So I got real excited, and I just had to talk about Wander Suero. You are so enthusiastic just, about Suero that I'm not really even going like to throw cold water on it right yeah, now. I'm just going to let you have it. <laughs> Look, man, the cold water is there. His strikeout rate isn't super great, and historically, hasn't been great. Um, he does give up more hits than you'd like to see at mineral relief, but he's a one dollar mineral relief flyer, and and David Martinez likes him, and I think that's more important than than how much I like him. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we jump from the sort of unexciting, maybe more exciting category, I got one other sort of maybe unexciting guy. Um, one of Tomlin's teammates, actually, Tyler Matzik. Uh, had some prospect pedigree behind him was was uh there were some high hopes for him and then he was out of baseball for a little while and came back last year um pretty limited time last year uh in the minors but he's uh he's a driveline guy um he got written up at, at fangraphs last february as a guy who had added some speed was working on his slider um, Eric Longerhagen and, and um, Kylie wrote him up and talked about the the slider and the velo being up for where it was. And um, it seems to be playing out pretty well this year. Um, he's 
He's got a 45% K rate in in his four appearances. I don't think that's going to hold up, but a 13.5% swinging strike isn't bad. Um, He's got a 63% ground ball rate, so he's keeping the home run down. He's throwing first strikes. He's he's gone 75% first strikes so far, uh, and and part of that is leading to zero walks. Um, the the CSW that we've talked about a couple times isn't great. I don't have it in front of me right now. I remember it being um, unimpressive. Uh, I can try to look it up again, but it's. He's not someone that I think I'm going to sit there and say like, oh, you got to go get this guy right now. You're you're missing out if you don't. Um, but given the prospect pedigree and given the fact that he's throwing a lot harder than he was before and he's being utilized in a different way, uh, the early results are really encouraging. Um, I love seeing guys, you know, come back from that. The the swing strike, the CSW, by the way, is 31.1, which is um, sort of middle-ish of the pack for a relief pitcher. Wor- uh, worse than Tom. Adam. Is it worse Tom than Tom? Was it thirty-two point four? Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, it's it's th- there's there's real reason to be concerned. He's also uh, the lowest rostered person we're going to talk about on this this episode. He's at one point nine five percent rostered. Um, so I think if you can if you can watch him, I, I'm not. I've I've got him in one place. I think. Uh, I have to go back and look. I might have been in more than one. I'm super intrigued. I just, I, I, I think uh, I have a lot of faith in what Driveline does. Um, I like the the fact that he's got some prospect pedigree and, and knows how to pitch. Um, I, I, my biggest concern with him is how long does he maintain an actual role? Atlanta's got a few guys. Tomlin's been pitching well. AJ Minter, a guy that we haven't talked about but but could pop up, has has pitched well there. Um, their their bullpen looks pretty good in the early going, and that may make it hard for someone like Matzik to continue to get innings. Um, but I don't know. I'm 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 intrigued by what they've got with him, and I'm going to be watching pretty closely. Yeah, I and mean, he was a name that I almost had had marked down in my list, and then um, moved on to other targets. So uh, the next guy that I wanted to talk about is I think I think I brought him up in the last episode, but he was definitely um, I wrote an article on Points Above about him. Um, is Jalen Beeks? He's still rostered in just fifty one percent of leagues. Um, he has a thirty seven point one CSW, which is thirty fourth best among relievers with a minimum of fifty pitches thrown. Um, not amazing, but also pretty interesting for a guy who um, is sort of having the best results he's had so far in his young major league career here out of the bullpen for the Rays. So, And he's a bulk guy. He's a guy who's going every three or four days fairly consistently. Um, like as Niv mentioned earlier, the ability to sort of predict when these guys are going to um, get innings out of the bullpen He's one of those names that I think it's going to be easier than some of the other relievers to know when he's going to pitch. Um, and, and the results have still been good. So he's a guy that I think still should be owned in more leagues, uh, rostered in more leagues than he is right now. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see how long it lasts with him. I think that there is some pedigree. Um, he had some really, really impactful minor league performances in his career. So this might be a case where he he's just going to run with a bullpen roll um, and be worth worth having on your team in Ottawa in almost any format. I'd say. I think that the skills are certainly legit. I think the the thing that is a concern for me, um, if I have one, is it's sort of twofold. So one is he seems to be shifting a little bit, just a little bit, out of that bulk role. 
Um, his first two appearances of the year were uh, two innings and three innings. He hasn't gone over. He, then he's gone one and two thirds, one and a third, and one in his last three. Um, he's still pitching sort of every two or three days. He might still be sort of predictable, but he's not getting the the bulk that he was. Um, and he's not. He hasn't had a single hold or save in his five appearances for the Rays because he's sort of buried in that pen. He's very much a middle reliever, uh, and so because of that, I, I'm a little hesitant on him. Um, I think in in four by four, uh, I'm all over him. I, I don't care when those innings are coming. Right, in head to head, I'm interested in him because he's going to throw. I still think he's going to go a lot of one and two thirds. Maybe he'll get a couple more two inning appearances, and so that's really valuable. In five by five, I think he's super far away from saves. And in um, points leagues, I think you know I, I hate to lean on roll. I like to lean on talent in points leagues. But if you're not getting any holds or saves, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> and and that's where he is right now. Yeah, and that's fair. But he's also, I mean, he is he's over seven points per innings pitched in in the points leagues right now well in fangrass points um i haven't looked at saber it's a team that will recognize the talent right the rays will recognize there's quality there and i think for beaks uh right i mean justin you touched on it like the innings he's providing even without the role stuff uh are, are great innings and i think like I, i'm i am actually shocked that he is only uh about a 50 percent rostered like he to me he's a no i mean he's on my team in league one so whatever uh Obviously, a lot of bias in that, but it's a no-brainer to me because he has been so effective in in especially this role. Like when you try to stretch him out, like when the Rays have tried to stretch him out, he's been less effective. But like this, like middle one to three inning situation, it's just he's he he produces very good innings, and I'm surprised that he's just not on more rosters. That's that's surprising to me. And as long as he's like a Fangraphs points replacement level for a reliever is around six and a quarter or six and a half points per innings pitched. Um, and then one of the interesting, we haven't, I don't know that we ever talked about this in any of our episodes, but one of the interesting things that I have been discussed on Slack in the past is these relievers that throw more innings than a normal reliever would, you're sort of moving innings out of your starting pitcher bucket and moving it to your reliever bucket. So any of those extra marginal innings that he throws on top of a normal reliever you don't really necessarily want to compare him to a reliever replacement level at six and a quarter but maybe a starting pitcher at 3.75 so it it sort of gives you a little bit of an extra bump over the innings that he's really replacing uh on your squad so it's yes without any possibility of a hold right now and he certainly doesn't seem like he's anywhere close to a role that would give him those necessarily um, but he also, without a hold at all, he's over seven points per innings pitch. So if he's going to pick up some holds, um, I, I think he's a, he's a name that, that people need to, to pay attention to, I think. so. Um, and then I think if I just – I'm just going to name my last one real quick. Yeah. This guy is not available in anybody's leagues. <laughs> but I was very surprised when I saw his name and how good he's been. Um, I know that there were some people that have have been hyping him up on Slack, and and I, you know, I I was like, yeah, he's good, but but maybe not as good as everybody, it's the people that were hyping him thought. But that that guy's name is is Aaron Bummer. Um, he's rostered on ninety five percent of rosters, so he's not available in, in, in nearly any league. But he has a zero point two zero 
combined ERA estimate ERA. Um, he's got a 39.8 CSW, which is 17th best against for, for relief pitchers, again, with the minimum, I think, 25 or 50 pitch uh, minimum. But he has 87.5% ground ball rate right now. So he's striking guys out a lot. He's getting everything on the ground, and that's incredible. Like, that's that's peak Zach Britton, right? Like, that's... Yeah. Um, that's a it's the dream. It's 19, the dream. I mean, he's he struck out he struck out twelve in five and two thirds innings, and he's given up what one fly ball? No fly balls. No fly balls given up. Technically, um, yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's what you want a reliever so, to do. I, I I will admit that he was a name that I I don't roster him anywhere, um, and I was a little bit down on him compared to. The, the people that were hyping him up, but I think I might have been wrong. I think he he's for real, and at least... I mean, again, it's a small sample, but it's hard to fluke your way into this good a performance, even over a small sample in terms of the strikeouts and, and that ground... I mean, he's always been able to get ground balls. He's 66% in his career, so he's always been a ground ball pitcher, but... Yeah, I think uh, it, it, when I look at the, the name that... The last name I want to bring up... Um, is the the antidote to Bummer being rostered in 95% of leagues. And that's uh, his teammate, Evan Marshall, who is rostered in 5.86% of leagues. Uh, if you go pull up on, on Fangraphs, a leaderboard for just the White Sox relief pitchers, um, Bummer is striking out an insane 54.6% of hitters. Marshall striking out 47.6%. 54.6 is better, but in a small sample size, I'm not sure how much I care about that difference. Yeah, that's still a good number, are. right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, their, their FIPs, Bummer has a negative 0.19. Marshall's 0.51. Negative 0.19 is better. 0.51 <laughs> is still really good. Um, yeah. They have the exact same CSW. So while everybody's been talking about Bummer... Um, Marshall's been just as good. <laughs> and, and so I'm... I'm uh I've been been looking for places to add him. I think if you go back and look, what's the other thing that's interesting about these guys is like that that ground ball rate, Bummer had that he was it wasn't quite eighty seven point five, but seventy two percent last year on a ground ball rate. What he struggled with was the strikeouts. He only had um under eight strikeouts per nine. All of a sudden he's got nineteen. Marshall last year, um has seen a similar jump in his ground ball rate from good at 51% to really good at 66.7%, was also around 7 to 7.28K per nine, and now suddenly is at almost 16, 15.88. Um, Marshall in a small sample did this also in 2018, where he was striking out almost 12, uh, 12 per nine. Um, not quite 12, 11.57. Um so maybe there's some history there that he can he can do this, but it was it like a super small sample, just seven innings. Um, I, I I'm I mean he's a guy that like if you missed out on Bummer, Marshall is sitting at the other end of the same bullpen doing all the same things, <laughs> and uh, he's not quite as close, I guess. I w- I would guess to um, saves. I I would think Bummer would be next in line if something happened with with Colome, uh, but. They both have two holds so far. <laughs> Neither one of them has a save so far. So I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll let people, you know, take their victory lap on on drafting 
bummer and paying four bucks for him or whatever they paid for him out of the auction. And I'll take a one dollar Evan Marshall right now. Yeah, that's a good call out. I mean, I think um, like we, we talked about this a little bit last episode and we, we talked a lot about pitchers today, but there's a reason why uh, pitching is a little bit ahead of hitting right now. And J- Justin, you had some uh, stats for that, right? Like you were talking a little bit about the points, uh, the Fangraphs points. Yeah, and in fact, I was going to tease at the end of this episode that I'm I'm going to be posting the the Audenu Power Rankings on Points Above um, probably tonight or tomorrow morning. And when I looked at the Fangraphs points uh, Power Rankings, let me pull them up real quick if you don't mind padding for a moment here. Yeah, sure. So I mean, just generally, like we we've 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 sort of been seeing that pitching is a little bit ahead of hitting. Uh, Justin did some math to to find out just exactly if that was true or if it was just perception. It seems like it's true, uh, which is why we talked a lot about pitchers today, I think, because it's like there is opportunity right now to acquire pitchers. And uh, given the the variance in being able to just, like, get playing time, uh, you, you know, like, take advantage of it. Like, go go get those pitchers. Like, go start these auctions and... So, up. so last year, the average points per game across all Fangraphs points leagues from all teams was 5.54 points per game. This year, as of this was standings pulled as of Monday, the average points per game is 4.63. So it's down 0.9 points per game last year to this year so far. Oh, that's crazy. Um, pitching is up. It was 472 last year, and it's 484 this year. So not up significantly, but that drop in, in hitting points per game is significant. I mean, that's that's a really big change. And it's early, and, and we've talked about how hitters seem to be behind in, in terms of preparation and timing and all that. But um, it, that's going to be something I'm going to be tracking every time I do these power rankings to see where that number is trending. But I I have little doubt that by the end of this year – that the, t- the final season total is going to be definitely lower than last year in terms of points per game for offense. So, Right. And if you're saying that, like, pitching is, even if we say equivalent to last year, like, you, like if your pitching is underperforming your expectations, I think there are opportunities out there to find players that can remedy that, right? Like, it, like Chad Brown, a good example of one, I guess. Yeah, but is, is it worth wondering, though, if, like, that's actually wrong. Like if your pitching is underperforming now, given how well pitching is doing, you need to seriously think about whether or not you're going to come back from that. Cause the chances are over the you next might couple be up weeks, against your little, pitching yeah, is right. going to get worse. And these guys who we're looking at now as breakouts, mm-hmm. like a decent chunk of them are, you know, especially when you look at relievers, right? Like how many of these guys are looking like breakouts because they haven't given up any home runs because people aren't hitting as many home runs because the batters don't have their timing down. And in a week or two, that's all going to fall apart. Um, And and I I don't think that changes. I don't think it changes the advice I would give, which is to like the guys that we talked about are guys worth looking at or adding or watching at least. Um, But I do think like, it is making me wonder in cases where my pitchers are struggling that I think they're going to bounce back. Now, if I've got a um, – trying to think of some of the aces out there who might be struggling. But like if I have an ace who's struggling and I think they're going to bounce back, Mike Clevenger has been having a hard time. Right, He'll bounce back. He's, he's too good a pitcher not to. Um, on the other hand, if I you – know, I've been pretty high on Steven Matz for a while and he's been struggling. Like 
maybe I should just accept that he's struggling in what is an extreme pitcher's environment right now, and it's just time to move on uh, and go about cutting him everywhere. That's a really good point. That That is a really good point. Yeah, I mean, because if the circumstances are favoring pitchers that much and it's still not resulting in, in a good performance, I mean, I, I can understand that argument that it might be time to pull the plug on some of these guys that especially because there's so much more time pressure, right? I mean, in we terms of giving up on guys, season, in terms right? of... I mean, like, th- th- that's it, right? There's only seven weeks left in the season. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, here. three weeks, basically, until the trade deadline, right? Yeah. And Ottenew, or did, was that extended this year? No, it wasn't. That's right. So it's still August 31st. Um, so you have 25 days from the from the date we're recording this. To, to, to make any trades that you want to make in Autonew. And normally the Autonew trade deadline is fairly late. Like, I like that it's in August, at the end of it's, August. Right, it's purposely late. But and this year... that The dynamic changes, with, given how what that percentage of the, the season it really represents. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I know one of the, the possible topics that we were going to talk about in this episode was sort of where our teams are and how we make those decisions. And maybe that's something we discuss next week. Um but I think that there's definitely there's definitely a lot of interesting decisions that don't, that that auto new players have to make right now as far as what they do with their teams and how aggressively they buy or sell or or try to get better. Like where do you get better? Where do you target improvement for rosters right now? Because it's it's not a normal year, and we're all sort of figuring it out as we go. But yeah, it should be it should be an interesting. I mean, build up to the trade deadline at least, right? It should be. I mean, we're gonna have a bunch of double headers next week, and uh, like, who knows where anyone will be? Like, it's, it's that's the other thing that's difficult is understanding where you are relative to what your overall output will be if you don't have playoffs, for example. Um, that 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 is, I, I said it earlier this episode, but it's just proven a lot harder than I even expected to understand, like. Where are we, really? I talked about this a little bit in a, in a Points Above article last week, or earlier this week, um, that the big thing, I, I and I, I do this even in a regular season, but I think it's more important now, is like I'm trying to be honest with myself about teams that are struggling. What's it going to take for them to turn around? Is it realistic to expect this team to perform better? Um, and I was comparing... Uh, Actually, the two leagues I'm in with you guys, um, League One and League 1199. Um, in League One, my offense has really been struggling, but my two top outfielders are supposed to be Juan Soto and Austin Meadows, and I haven't even had them. Um, and I've had other guys struggling too. Lindor hasn't been the same. But I can look at them and be like, okay, Lindor gets it back. I add these two huge bats that I've been missing. I'm like, that offense should get better. In in eleven ninety nine, where my pitching has been, my whole team's been struggling in both those leagues, by the way. But where my pitching's been struggling, I was counting on Verlander, Price, uh, Paxton, um, Strasburg, right? who hasn't Strasburg, pitched. guys like, who maybe not. I mean, certainly right. some of them aren't coming back. Maybe yeah, all of them so aren't coming back. So two of those guys, like Price, has opted out. Verlander is hurt and may not be coming back. And I've already cut him because I don't believe he's going to come back in any sort of useful form this year. Um, I cut Paxton because I think he's just done. Um, I had to move on from Pablo Lopez. I mentioned this to you guys earlier. I had to move on from Pablo Lopez because he's uh, he wasn't pitching. And I needed guys who were throwing innings because I was falling too far behind. Um, Strasburg should be back, but seem to have, I don't know if I call it a setback, but certainly not as a weird quick a thing. ramp up as expected yeah. yesterday. Unexpected. So like, 
Yeah. Right. When I look at that team and I think like, how is my pitching going to get better? I have no idea. Right. I don't like. I've had. I've got Heaney. He's been good. Maybe Stripling continues to pitch well, but I bet Stripling loses his job at some point to the Dodger shenanigans. Um, I, I'm going to get Strasburg back, maybe. Um, and like, I, I just don't know. I start to look at that team, and it's like, can I make a can I make a legitimate case that this pitching is going to get better? I don't know. I was counting on Lance McCullers to be good. He's been terrible. Um, and then beyond that, you know, I mentioned all those guys. The other guys I have in this team are Merrill Kelly, who I'm excited about, but you know, who knows what I'll get from him. Mike Miner, who's been bad, although I'm not sure what he did today. I think he's been struggling a little bit today. Taiwan Walker, who I'm excited about, but was not great today. Uh, Brady Singer, who we talked about a little bit earlier, who who maybe there's some upside there, but hasn't been fantastic yet. Right. Um, so yeah, in a sense, what, where's like, it coming from? Where Where is it coming from? Right. And I think that. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's probably worth talking about for a whole episode, to be honest. But like, I think that's the right way to the the dichotomy between those two teams. Like the difference there is absolutely worth exploring when you're thinking about where are you right now, and but but where is it coming from is really the way to think about it, right? Like where. Like it's only it's only been a week and a half, but like this is a short season. It's been and a like, week and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's been a week and a half, and like like I just said, that's an eighth of the season, right? Like we're, we're like we are moving here, so um, you really got to make choices a little quicker than you normally would. Yeah, it's actually today. As of today, we will be two weeks. Actually, as of last night, we were technically two weeks into the season, but that opening yeah, night sure. was only one game or two games or whatever. So like, as of today, we're really sort of two weeks into the season. That's almost a quarter of the season, right? This yeah. is the – and so it's just really tough to know. I talked about this in that Points Above article about this as well, that like in a real season, we have as much data as we would have on like April 15th, which is none, right? You don't know what you – you don't know anything – but we're effectively at like a May 15th point of the season, which is about the point at which it's reasonable to start trying to make some of those buy-sell calls and figure out where you want to go. It's like, I don't at know At least planning for it, if not making the actual right. and actionable things. Like, right. At least thinking about how you want to proceed. Exactly. And usually at that point, I can sit down and say like, oh, this guy is really struggling and he's struggling because of his K percentage going way up. And that's stabilized at this point. So there's poss- possibly a real problem here, and he's not going to get better. Like this batter is just sort of done. Or this pitcher is is doing really well and better than I expected, and it's because his velocity's up and he's maintained it for six starts. And so I'm feeling pretty good about it. Instead, I'm at this point where it's like, I don't know what to make of anybody. So I've got to look at my teams, and instead of saying like, who do I think has really broken out? And who do I think is really, you know, broken and not going to be any good? It's just, you know, the way Niv phrased it, where does it come from? Where am I going to, where is this team? Like, if this team has to get better, who's going to make it better? And if what I'm saying is, well, maybe Steven Matz actually figures it out. And maybe Taiwan Walker gets the breakout that I've been waiting for. And like, that's not real inspiring. <laughs> it doesn't give me a lot of confidence. If I'm saying I finally got Soto back, I finally got Meadows back. I've been counting on, you know, DD Gregorius and Jay Bruce and they haven't played half their games. Like now I start to look and go, okay, I can I can I can see that. Um yeah. 
But maybe that is a whole episode. Maybe we should save that for next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, I think that's definitely a topic we should we should discuss next week. And well, next week it'll be a third of the season, and that sounds like the exact right time to talk about it. Yeah, it's getting yeah, too late. Because then, you know, <laughs> we wait yeah. another week. We're going to get a lot more info, right? Like, kind of. Yeah. It's going to fifty percent. Not more. actually going to be more info, but it's going to be really impactful for the decisions that we have to make. So yeah. Well, if you do, if you look forward another week, you are going to start to hit a point where pitchers are hitting their strikeout rate stabilization point. Hitters are hitting their strikeout rate stabilization point. Maybe some are getting close to a walk rate stabilization point. Um, ground ball rates and fly ball rates are going to start to stabilize. Um, home runs per fly ball for hitters are still probably not quite there yet. Um, but you're going to start to get the, more... Some of the you're barrel and exit velocity stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to start to get some things that you can look at and say okay, I can start to draw some real conclusions off of this. And they're going to be uh, preliminary conclusions, not final ones. But you're going to be acting on preliminary conclusions this year, or else you're going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I'll have a little bit of a, a, a gospel to preach next week about that, I think. I'm going to prepare that in my mind. So, um, all right. We... Uh, Seems like a perfect teaser to end it on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So stay tuned because the gospel of don't miss it. Don't miss it. (laughs) I'm sure you guys will be surprised about what I'm going to talk about. So, Um, all right. Uh, Thank you, everybody who takes the time to listen to these. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch you next time.